All right. Whoa. I thought I was muted for a second there. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Simply Cyber Live. If you've been working in information security for a minute, you know, even really IT, frankly, you know that it is very, very difficult to keep the vulnerabilities at bay, especially as it continues to ramp up year over year. You can't patch all the things. And that is what we're talking about today. We have brought in Dave Klein, who's got a wealth of experience and background. He's a director. He's a cyber evangelist. He loves our, uh, the field and he, he knows a thing or two about vulnerabilities. We're going to bring him in. We're going to talk about why threat and vulnerability management is like out of control, what, what can be done about it, and really what are the best ways to go about like taking action on handling this just kind of pervasive issue of dealing with, uh, out, you know, an increase in threats and the vulnerabilities. So let's get into it today. Thanks a lot. What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Welcome. Great to be here, Jerry. Yeah, thank you so much. So, Dave, before we get into it, um, I know you personally, uh, and we've talked quite a bit, but for, for chat, for, for the Simply Cyber community, can you just tell us a little bit about your background with regards to threat and vulnerability management? Sure, absolutely. I've been in the field for over uh, 21 years. Uh, a lot of work as a cybersecurity vendor uh, with customers after 9-11 with the, the city of New York, uh, and then 10 years doing U.S. federal work with various uh, agencies and things like that. I even worked on an executive uh, 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 thing with uh, President Obama. And throughout that entire time, a lot of incident response work and serious stuff, especially with the federal government stuff, a lot of uh, nation state actors and espionage and counter espionage and just found so often the crux of the different problems we were running into were those vulnerabilities and how quickly actors were able to take advantage of those vulnerabilities to, to cause problems and wreck havoc and how you'd have to go in there, clean things up. And then absolutely the number one thing was what else could they hit and what is vulnerable and what we need to, to shore up security for. Yeah. And, and you and I know, cause we've, we both have gray in our beard, which means we've been around the block <laughs> once or twice. I, I have more than you. I have more than you. <laughs> So you've been around the block uh, one more time than me, for sure. But can you like paint the picture for us on what what things look like 10 years ago, five years ago with vulnerabilities? I know you've done some uh, uh, some research on this specifically, yes. and it's it's really quite fascinating. So wh where were we and where are we now? I mean, you, you take me after 9-11. You know, I, I'd have a handful of, of no nasties vulnerabilities that would cause issues in environments and stuff like that to just 2010, you're talking about, you know, 5,000 new vulnerabilities annually. So you've gone from a situation where it's something you kind of keep on a dry erase board or on a, on a spreadsheet to, to something you need to track on a daily basis. And then if you go from, from 2010 to 2019, it jumped from 5,000 to 20,000 in 2019 in 2021, both years, we were looking over 30,000 annually. Mm -hmm. So now you're in a situation where these things are coming fast, very fast. And on top of that, when you look at what they call a CVSS version three score, right? That's the severity score. You have in the wild today, over 19,000 above a nine plus rating, which is RCE capable, right? Remote code execution capable. 
Yeah, and it's important to note that the top of that scale is a ten. So the so yes, yeah. I mean, you're almost right there at the top. Right. Yeah, right. And, and and that's what we're dealing with. So we're dealing with a situation where these vulnerabilities come daily, and many of them are again at that at nine plus rating. And thus, there needs to be really a different way of, of how we, we do things. When we think about things in, in, in the past, you would get a situation where you would get a, a, a vulnerability that couldn't wait to a patch window, right? And you would, you would get people together in, in the conference room of the director. You, you take their, their conference table and, and, and throw all the stuff on the floor, clean off the table, clean off the dry erase board, and create a Tiger team. But in, in today's world, with the fact that they come daily, and we're tracking so many in the wild that are above a nine plus rating, and there's 30,000 new ones a year, it really is a situation where handling this in a, in a cycle and in, in a, a regular fashion is going to be necessary. Yeah, so I have, I have my thoughts, but Dave, share with us like why, like why has there been essentially uh, like a, a logarithmic increase in amount of vulnerabilities like you'd think almost it would be linear but it, it's it's definitely going up exponentially you know year over year or cycle over cycle why is that from your perspective there's a number of things going on and 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 actually some of it is healthy right so so for example bug bounties and when i started in the industry bug bounties were were a no-go you never were to give out a bug bounty but today people understand that as really helping to encourage people doing the right things so I think bug bounties are part of the reason why uh, we see an increase in, in vulnerabilities. Uh, I think we're finding that people have a better sense uh, of finding these things in general in the way that they have their tooling set up to look for these things and regression testing and stuff like that. And people are more aware of what the reporting cycles are. In the past, they might find a bug and say, oh, I know what that is. But now they know, OK, I know how to report it. So I think people are more educated on how to report it. I think we have bug bounties. Uh, and then you have the other side of the coin. You have the attackers. And the way the attackers have taken their own criminal supply chains and affinity groups and hunters and specialization into mm -hmm. people who look out for vulnerabilities. It used to be, you know, a zero day was something that was uh, uh, only a diet for the nation state. Today, criminals, the, everyone will put those out there because they can get more money by giving it to criminals than to the nation state. So I think that there's a, a situation where there's, there's a, a greater number of attackers out there who, who, who also know how to take advantage of these vulnerabilities. And also I could say it, it is, the other big thing is, is there's been a rise in, in technology in general across the world. And we're talking about the ability to find vulnerabilities within flash, within applications, within operating systems, within your browser, within your switches, your routers, your security devices, right? I mean, how many vulnerabilities this year were, were announced about VPNs in, in, in 2021, right? Um, Discord, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and employee installed apps, right? The idea we're working from home so people have apps that they want to they listen to or look at while they work, you know? It, it's a case of, of the proliferation also is because in the past, I think it was viewed as an operating system thing. And now people see it in everything that we do. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% that it is kind of this perfect storm of uh, technology explosion, like the adoption of technology, explosive growth. Plus, unfortunately, um, in in a capitalist society, first to market usually 
uh, gets the lion's share of the um, of, of of the adoption, right? Of the user adoption. Right. So there used to be a phrase you probably remember this again because we have gray in our beards. But this literally was a, fa- a phrase Microsoft used to have: we ship on Monday and we patch on Wednesday. And the idea, <laughs> and and of course now it's Patch Tuesday. But originally. Microsoft had the mantra that they would go to, to market and they would just fix it after the fact because they didn't they it, they were losing revenue if they would fix everything before they sent it out because there'd always be another problem that came up right. Well, there, there was a phrase: "There's no better QA than having customers uh, hit, hit the software." Right. So, so absolutely, that was a, that was almost like a best. It was a best practice. Let's be honest; it was a yeah. best practice. So, the, it, yeah. yeah. But it, but it's certainly so you've got all this technology out there, of course. And then uh, to your point, I know this this episode is more about what to do with when you can't patch all the things. But it is worth noting, again, that the rise of bug bounties is such a win for everybody because organizations are getting a, a fleet of workforce looking for vulnerabilities. And they're only truly paying uh, for when they are actually discovered. So you know, th- there's value from that. And then to allow security researchers to work kind of like an Uber style where it's a gig right. economy uh, is a win for them and you get experience and all that. So it's it's definitely uh, really, really cool. W- one thing that you did touch on that I, I'd like your uh, thoughts on, Dave, is, and I see this in my environment all the time, and I'm sure you see it in your clients' environments. Like when I, like, when I talk to IT, IT is like, we're responsible for the operating system. And I know you mentioned a little bit about this, but you know, even, even not endpoint installed apps, but like part of the standard load, whether it's like Microsoft Word or you know, Java or, or whatever, a lot of times IT is like, we maintain the operating system. All that other stuff uh, is, is on you or you know, it just doesn't get patched. Uh, like what kind of frequency are you seeing where that vulnerability uh, attack surface, for lack of a better term, uh, persists long term. I'd argue, uh, I'd argue that the challenge here is, in the past, they took a very myopic approach to 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 what they're responsible for. And, but the bottom line is, today, everyone comes to work with a, with a smartphone integrated into the workplace. People have tablets. People are using their own devices at home. We're all been working from home. And, and I'd argue that, that the real challenge here is when we think about phantom IT, right? We think about the fact that, that in the past, you know, uh, everything was provisioned. And uh, I, I don't, I argue it, it was never totally correct, but the idea was you get a better idea what was going on. But today we're not just talking about a department puts a AWS VPC up. It doesn't tell headquarters or a new application gets rolled out by DevOps and doesn't tell the security team to watch it. But we're talking about the fact that, that the average consumer of IT wants certain things and they're going to load Discord to talk to their friends about work, right? Yeah. They're gonna load Slack. They're gonna load uh, some third-party apps uh, that are not part of the gold standard image that we're, that's being pushed out. And so I, I'd argue that uh, it's really changed how we have to view this, right? And, and how, what we think is what we're responsible for. And in some ways, as, as the IT department, you're, you're the, the, the parent, you're the um, champion mm-hmm. for the user, but you're also there to help them do the right things. 
and, and help keep them safe. Yeah. Well, and now we're, we're talking about things that can be patched or should be patched. And I, I would argue that I, I feel like applications should come default to auto update, right? Like you can configure your Google Chrome browser or whatever to auto update, but it's not always by default, just like, you know, changing the default credentials on a system isn't always required by default. Uh, and I think that that could go a long way into kind of basically automating this responsibility that everybody seems to have a diffusion of responsibility about. But another element that I think it's important that we discuss, Dave, is the things that you can't patch, right? Like, I'm not saying, you know, like, no no, no uh, confirmation or confirm or deny, but like, I could have Windows XP in my environment, right? <laughs> and and people always, you know, push back on Twitter, like, oh, that's gross. How could you possibly do that? But in business, if, if the machine cost a million dollars and it still makes widgets the same way it made widgets when they bought it, you find me one CFO who's going to stroke a check to replace the machine that's not broken. It's not happening. Correct. But this, what comes to this, this conversation is the fact that, and, and whether we're talking about a legacy device, and by the way, hospitals, those medical devices, those lovely cabinets you see people roll along that are, are powder coated white, you know, with a machine on top. If you open up the cabinet, you'll find they'll have a Dell Optiplex mm-hmm. from, from 2010 that are still running Windows XP and, it, it, you know, has never been patched. Uh, the same is uh, there's a lot of ATMs out there that are XP, by the way. I don't know if you mm-hmm. do that. Windows 7. But the key is in cases where they're saying, hey, listen, I, I put out a capital expenditure of a million dollars for these things. And so that, and they're still making us money. I'm going to keep them. The key th- differentiator here is being able to understand the risk, mm-hmm. right? Is to be able to understand the risk that that poses to you. And so when we talk about, and I'm from Simulate, we deal with, 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 you know, uh, uh, attack-based, you know, attack-based vulnerability management and, and, you know, posture management. The concept is, is that you want the ability to say, okay, so you have that XP machine that's out there that is making widgets or what have you, but there's nothing I can do to make it secure enough to lower the risk score enough. So, so the key thing is for people like that is you need to be, have the ability to test in the environment and say, okay, um, let's say with Windows 7, I'm able to do, and let me explain this for a second. So I, when I say first party and third party security controls, this is what I mean. First party, what I'm talking about is the operating system that's in the cloud, cloud controls, container, you know, parameters. I'm talking about uh, your various ACLs and switch and routers and security devices that you have in your environment. If you can sit there and find extenuating uh, security controls that are first party or third party, third party is again, the switches, the routers, the firewalls and things like that. So you have the operating system and the, and the containers and the, the VPCs, and you have the actual security devices. If I could find ways to isolate that vulnerability so it can't be utilized, then I can go back to management saying risk is low. We can keep that Windows 7 machine. But XP, I can't do anything with XP, right? I've, I've tried everything. I can't, I can't fix it enough to keep it safe. So the, the key is, and that's also what we're talking about here with the vulnerabilities coming so fast, mm-hmm. is the fact that often time from, if there isn't a zero day when a vulnerability is announced, the time to weaponization, usually you see a vulnerability announced. Within a few hours, there's a GitHub location where there's proof of concept exploit. 
And if, if people out there don't know what I'm talking about is often what you'll see is a vulnerability announced and then you'll have people say, hey, based on this, this Windows vulnerability, I've created a, a test exploit in the environment. And in fact, uh, and that's kind of critical, right? And so you see how it works, but literally within 48 hours, there's someone taking advantage of it criminally, right? So the key is whether we're talking about legacy devices in your environment or whether we're talking about the fact of how are we going to take care and secure our environment before we get to that patching window, the understanding that first party and third party security controls are necessary and how they can protect you in the interim. Yeah, and we like, you know, just recently as a perfect example of what you're talking about, Log4j, Log4j came out and oddly, it's not exactly always happened this way, but oddly there was already an exploit on GitHub uh, by a Chinese researcher yes. who, who had done some work at, for one. Yeah. Yes. And uh, GitHub actually ended up pulling that uh, repository offline because it was basically a weaponized Log4j attack vehicle. Um, so, you know, it was all hands on deck for Log4j, right? Like the, the, the world was on fire for a hot minute trying to figure out, are we vulnerable to Log4j? Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so it absolutely uh, does, does happen in that time to... You know, th this is really, it's threat and vulnerability management, which is its own kind of capability within a mature information security office. But if you're not big enough, just, I think it's important people understand this. If you're not big enough, I would argue that that falls under more of a GRC uh, capability because like you just said, Dave, like, okay, we can't fix this. We can't patch this. We need to keep this. The business wants it. What is the actual risk? Because you mentioned CVSS score earlier, right? And let's say this nasty thing is a 9.3, right? Or it's a 10. Let's just make it a straight 10. Like you absolutely do not want this, but they're not going to get rid of it. Okay, well, what, you know, is it actually at risk? Is it is it reachable from the internet? Because we talked about remote code execution. Well, right. it's not reachable. Well, then maybe we can recalculate the CVSS score a bit, right? Maybe we can put it on network and you start thinking of more architecture related solutions to fix it. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's understanding what is the risk of that vulnerability. And, and that's why I think it's a GRC function. No, absolutely. And, and, and we think about the recipe for success and we can get into that, that that's really what's necessary for the executives, right? It, it is understanding what is my risk? What is the business concern, right? So for example, that system makes widgets and that's what you do for a living. If the widgets are down, you lose so many millions per hour. Very quickly, you could find out uh, how valuable it is to keep that older operating system, right? It, you know, if, if it would be a situation to replace it, it's gonna talk some additional money and funds and investment, but it's still much less than the loss, then, then it makes sense, right? And then they'll understand it. But that's, that's a key is for us as, as, as cyber researchers, and, and first responders, what's important for us is, is to learn that business language. I, I would say, I'd argue if someone said, what is different today mm -hmm. for me than when I started uh, is I've had to become well-versed in, in, in business speak, in, in legal speak in some, some situations, in GRC speak and risk. And I think that's important as for your listeners, as you guys learn and, and, and guys and gals learn as you go forward, that's going to be important for you to understand is that you will, you will gain some additional skill sets and things that you that are, are very untechnical. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's important to know, too, if you're a pen tester or an offensive security professional and you, you would learn this pretty quickly, like if your findings, your report shouldn't say 
I found all these problems and your remediation is to patch, patch all the things. Right? right. I mean, that's why this episode's called you can't patch all the things because that's yeah. that is the reality of it. It's much more akin to creative solutions and really understanding what is the actual risk to the organization and then conveying that as an advisor, um, yeah. as an advisor role. And Kariba asked the question about, you know, segmentation and ACLs and stuff like that. And I, I really feel that speaks to kind of these compensating controls that might be roles that might be specific to your environment. Because uh, with the CVSS scores, they're doing that as a blanket, right? That's for right. everybody. And everybody's uh, organization is is different. And and yes, that question is is totally valid. And by the way, I'm, I'm a huge fan of software-based segmentation, which is not just doing segmentation on the edge, but throughout your environment, right? And and SASE in some way is, is another way of looking at segmentation as well, the zero trust mm-hmm. type segmentation. 200%, the idea is by using those, those compensating controls, you can keep things in play until a patch cycle or in the business needs it permanently, right? And that's what, what I think is, is, is different. It's not just a knee-jerk reaction to patch. It should be, what compensating controls do I have first and third to incorporate, number one? And then number mm-hmm. two, if I can't, then I need to patch. But, you know, I, I think if you, if you think about a recipe for success, you start by finding ways to discover and visualize the vulnerabilities in your environments, right? In your landscape. And we're talking about operating systems, cloud controls, all that phantom IT I discussed, right? And phantom apps, which are now popular, right? The idea that people are running different things. And it starts with that. And and the key is it's not only what you think is out there, it's what's out there, right? So having different ways to do that is is really critical. And then the second thing is what we talked about is first and third party security controls, becoming adept and understanding how they can be incorporated between patch cycles or in lieu of patching, which is really kind of critical. Um, and then really, I think on a, on a daily basis, someone needs to be responsible in an environment to look at the new vulnerabilities that came out that day and the ones that you still have in the environment and seeing what the workarounds are and coming up with a way of, of, of finding ways to compensate so that they're not taken advantage of by attackers before you get a chance to, to compensate them or patch them you know, and that kind of thing, which is really important. Yeah. Well, I mean, so having someone look at the vulnerabilities of the day, I mean, that sounds that sounds like a good idea. And they do come out very quickly. Uh, we do, you know, we do the threat briefings every morning where that's just kind of situational awareness. You're not going to look through all the CVEs every day, like, you know, the published CVEs by MITRE every day. You could, but but that is a lot of work to see if it actually is in scope. What, one of the things, and if you're in chat and you work in IT and you live this, uh, give a shout out because because this is a, this is another reality that if you're trying to break into the industry, you're going to find out uh, the first month uh, is just the frequency of of actually patching, right? So if we talk about you can't patch all the things, Dave, but let's say you could patch all the things. <laughs> Microsoft releases Patch Tuesday, the first of the Tuesday of the month every month, and in my reality. I mean, IT is just finishing validating the patches and, and applying them as best they can and, and you know, taking a break, like grabbing a drink of water before the next patch Tuesday hits them right in the face. Uh, and, and a lot of times they're not, they don't have enough time to even do it fully, like especially a short month like February, right? I mean, that's like three more days that you, yes. you don't have. So I, I feel like that's another challenge that, information security programs coupled with IT really face is 
even if you wanted to do everything and even if there was patches for everything, they come so quickly and so, in such large numbers that it's a, that's another different challenge to have to wrestle with. So let's, let's talk about some of the things that you could do to help with that workload. So for one, and I'd argue this is true uh, this year so much, is that cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility. And we can say that nicely and people will go, well, that doesn't mean anything because does it really mean it? Well, it, it does mean it. And what I mean is, is that you need to, to include the SOC team, the security controls teams, active directory, the operating system teams, the cloud controls team, because they have to be included, right? In some ways, the only way that this, this gets done and finding compensating controls and things like that is including the other teams and have them involved in it, right? And I think that's that's kind of critical. Mm-hmm. Technical perspective. We already talked about on the executive side. The executive side is being able to tell them what is the business continuity? What is the reduction in risk if you do something? What is the expense if you do it or not do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of critical getting the executives on board, right? Uh, so I think what's important is, again, they, they, to include those teams as well. Yeah, so... It, it, okay, so I agree. It is important to include those people, but what kind of what kind of techniques can people use? Because it's almost becomes a, a political game, for lack of a better term. Not not quite Game of Thrones, but you have to. Um, what, what's it called? There, there's like a famous book about it, like influence and make friends and influence or something like that. Dale, Dale, was it Dale Carnegie? Yeah, how to influence friends and or yeah, make friends and influence people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because basically <laughs> that's what you have to do. I mean, you have to take something that is important and you know it's important because you're educated to understand the risk and what could possibly happen and stuff, and then talk to people who are focused on doing their job, which is not your job. And convince them to take cycles from whatever they're working on to help you achieve your goals. And that's, that is a learned skill all unto itself, I would argue. Correct. But, but, you know, I guess, what would you suggest as far as dealing specifically with like, Hey, we've got, we've got 9,000 open vulnerabilities, like literally, and, you know, let's say 4,000 or low, but still there's 500 that are critical or high. Like this is, this needs to be, taken care of. How do you have those conversations with these teams that you just mentioned are important? Well, the, the key thing is, is, is you're delegating out to various teams to what vulnerabilities are, are, are in their, their, their wheelhouse, right? And the, the key thing is to be successful today, security has to be incorporated in everything. To help us with that, you know, if you look at 2020 and 2021, the level of threat in those two years was huge. And yet at the same time, for the first time, I would argue is the business side of the house really understood that this was a risk to the business. It was an existential problem. So I'd argue that this is something that, that the other, other teams are realizing is not just um, cybersecurity at the kid's table at the family event, that it's important that they, that they uh, participate and are involved. Uh, but it's important that, that you evolve all these, these different teams uh, in, in, the, in the mix uh, to be able to do this. That, that's essential. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and uh, Adrian brings up a, another interesting point that, that I didn't really touch on, but it, it's valid is um, you can send patches that break functionality, right? Absolutely. So, so it's not always about having the time or having the patch available, you know, like Windows XP doesn't have any patches. So, but like it could be a, a legit patch. We just saw it last week with VMware patching and AD servers getting stuck in loop uh, boot loops. Correct. Correct. Right. So, so- yeah, if you're not able to test first, and that's part of the, the patching cycle, if you're not able to test first, you might break something, yeah. which goes back to the fact that 
the window between a vulnerability and an attack is, is usually less than 48 hours. So we're at a point where really those, those mitigating controls are essential, should be the first step before patching, right? And, and the idea of if you want time to see if it breaks things, if you want time for uh, a not, uh, let's stop all our business activities and, and, and patch this, you're gonna to need to be able to take care of those, those first and, and third party controls. Yeah. And if you have enough political capital, you can take BSEC's approach here, Dave, which is basically just push the patches. And if someone calls you and says, you broke my stuff, you tell them it was a security <laughs> update. Kind of, had, to, had to do it. Kind of sounds like Microsoft there. Kind of sounds like <laughs> Microsoft there. Just a the reverse of it, right? Um, just a reverse of it. I, I once had a, a mentor. And, and uh, when I was, I'm, we're talking about when my hair was totally blonde and I had lots of hair, which we're talking a long time ago. And we had a, a, a patch panel that the engineers would use for their labs. And he kept nicely asking them to say, when we have a change control window, we need to rewire this. It's, it's really messy. And eventually what he started to do is when no one responded, he would take out six, six connections at a time and, 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 and wait for someone to complain. But anyway, yeah. that's not the answer. But yes, anyway. <laughs> no, but but you know what? It, it, it is a funny story. But I will say that that is um, that is an actual practice that is still practiced today, right? So you you run a vulnerability scanner, right? You find all this nasty business, and you say, "Who owns this?" Like I'll give you a perfect example. This is a real life example. Recently, who owns this webcam that's on our network? This webcam. Right has a, you know, a really nasty RCE. And first of all, why is it there? Second of all, who owns it? You know, you're running it down. IT doesn't know. The business doesn't know. People at the plant don't know. Nobody knows, but it's there. Uh, so, you know, the, the answer is you just remove it, <laughs> you know, right. And, right. And, and see if someone complains. And, uh, you know, if they complain, it, like basically it's easier to, for someone to come find you because they're complaining than it is for you to try to find a person who's really not interested or forgot about it. It was a pet project, whatever. <laughs> but it, it is, it is the reality that you have to deal with. Um, so, you know, one of the things I, so I know, um, you obviously, you know, work for Simulate. I've used, I use Simulate's product or I've, I've been using it for a couple of weeks and find it interesting. I, I'm kind of curious, like, I know we're talking about threat and vulnerability management, but can you can you use kind of the outputs of like a tool like Simulate to actually influence or, or make a better case? And, and I think I know the answer to this because I've actually used the output of it to talk to my CIO. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. So, so what we do is extended security posture management. That's what Simulate does. Mm -hmm. And part of the what we do is offensive testing in your environment of all the latest exploits of the day, updated 365, 24-7. And the, the cool part is, is it teaches you to think about those extenuating controls, the first party and third party controls. And then most importantly is vulnerabilities are throughout. So if there's an exploit we test, you know what vulnerabilities are associated with it. And when we do asset checks and asset scans, we, we get the vulnerabilities associated with it. And then the best part is we have a section called attack-based vulnerability management, which then says, based on your environment and the tests, these are the top five go-to right now that you need to take care of. So you talked about being overwhelmed and saying, I have, you know, if so many vulnerabilities out there, so many above a nine, but if you're able to go back and say, Hey, listen, I, I ran some tests. We got to handle this first. Mm -hmm. right? uh, these are the ones that are the most important. 
that's the beauty of what we do is we make it easy to to find the real gear, the phantom gear, the phantom apps, the real apps and find what you're vulnerable to and, uh, and, and what is most important to go after first. Yeah. And, and that, that's why I actually put prioritizing your vulnerabilities um, in order um, on, on the promo card, because it really is, it really is important to understand which bite of the sandwich to take first. Yes. Right. And guys, when I tell you, if, if you haven't done this in practice before, when I tell you that like a normal healthy environment will have thousands of open vulnerabilities, I'm not joking. Like, that's that's pretty good if you're down in the thousands. Um, you know, large organizations like uh, you know a multi-billion-dollar company c- could have hundreds of thousands, if not million. Um, so you almost—I've I've felt this before. You feel defeated or overwhelmed, like you've got this mountain of sandwich, and taking one bite makes very little difference. And you exhausted so much energy. Maybe you spent some political capital in order to get something fixed and it just, you almost feel overwhelmed and and defeated. Uh, So by having something that can help you prioritize, right. And you can do it different ways. Simulates one way. There's, there's other ways, right. I mean, if it's like front page news, log four J like you can get some type of, you know, short list. Like these are the five things that I'm going to focus on. And then it becomes way more manageable as a practitioner perspective. You don't feel overwhelmed or defeated or apathetic and that's the worst when you just don't care right. anymore that's right. the, like if you're there you got problems right yeah, yeah. Real problems so, and by so the way, burnout is burnout is a real thing in cybersecurity. people get burnt out uh, yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh, and beyond, beyond the prioritization mm-hmm. the second thing about simulate is the ability we talk about the executive giving them that risk statement saying okay i know this this makes our widgets and that's important but this is the risk of not doing anything. And here's how the risk will be less if we do something, right? Whether again, it's, it's, it's first and third party controls or having the patch. So, so that's the other benefit, right? Is you have the prioritization and the ability to easily explain risk and visualize that risk uh, to not only the first responders, but the IT staff, but also the business people. Yeah. And, and I know um, like, so this is new, ish to me. I heard about it uh, a couple days ago, but I, I want, I personally want more information um, from you, Dave, yes. but in order to get, in order to get better educated and understand how to, you know, approach these challenges, have these conversations, understand risk, et cetera. You guys have um, a couple of things, this academy and, and this community. Can you, we could talk about them separately, but can, can you kind of talk about them and like what exactly it is? Because, um, because I'm interested and, and I'm hoping, you know, chat's also interested. So the, the, the beautiful thing is, is at Simulate, we're giving back to the community in an agnostic, vendor agnostic fashion and, uh, and getting that feedback from everyone. So the first thing is called uh, community.simulate.com. That's your community uh, of users who are looking at attacks and exploits and vulnerabilities and coming up with, with different things. So that's us uh, talking to the community and then talking to us. And then the second thing, which I think is, is great because you have a lot of people starting out in the, in the, in the business, is we have the E-Academy or E-Academy. It's, it's spelled E-Academy. Yeah, make and, sure you get that right because I, yes, I, I also thought it was E-Academy. So, yeah. Simulate.com slash E-Academy. And what's beautiful here is you can get a certification, two courses, 
And these courses, again, are agnostic and they're about continuous security validation and becoming a security validation pro. If you're a CISSP, you'll, you'll love to know that you get ISC squared uh, credits for this. And there's two great courses. The first one is talking about offensive cybersecurity, uh, types of security assessments, understanding MITRE attack overview, how to look at new IOCs and TTPs and things like that. The second course is hands-on hacking. Uh, it's a great lab, uh, series of labs, including you know, offensive cybersecurity assessment types, privilege escalations, lateral movements using NTLM and other things, and then look, taking a deep dive into a supply chain attack and into a ransomware attack, all of which you do in the lab, which is really awesome. So again, free coursework, it's free. You can use it, you can sign in and create, create a, a, a person for that, get a badge when you get the two, uh, the two courses done and get credits to your ISC squared. So, and how much is this uh, academy? It's free. It's free. Okay, so people Everyone can just go to this link and and yep. and and do it. All right. So, guys, there you go. More free training. I'll have to add this to the Simply Cyber uh, page of free resources. Um, now, the community you spoke about quickly, but I I don't understand. Is it like a Discord server? Is it a forum? Is is it is it like what? How is it working? What is what is the community? So currently, it, it is a web forum. Right. And it relates to uh, doing offensive cybersecurity, using Simulate, understanding new vulnerabilities are out, what to test, how to test, you know, looking at the results and things like that. So it, it, it's uh, it's it's kind of our community of users. Oh, all right. OK, so that's cool. Yeah. I, and, and that's free also, I assume. Right. Yeah. yeah OK, so good. I, I love I love free stuff, Dave. I know I know uh, chat loves free stuff. Um so let, let's do this really quickly. Um, we had a, a late um, uh, contribution from uh, Russ, Russell Brinson, um, friend of Simply Cyber. Uh, he's donated a giveaway. So let's, let's tee up a giveaway, uh, Dave. And then actually, while that's, you know, people are entering and stuff like that, I got a couple questions from chat uh, to throw at you, okay? Sure, sure. Okay, okay cool. So let us get, you guys know the routine here. It is all about... Um, putting in hashtag the squad, but don't do it yet. Cause I actually have to start. I have to start the, um, the, uh, the actual, um, you know, the giveaway guys, hashtag the squad. Okay. There you go. Put it in chat. Hashtag the squad question for you, Dave. And I, I love this question. I love, I love BSEC. So we're talking about bite the sandwich because you're overwhelmed by, you know, all the vulnerabilities. Where do you go first? Like, what's your what's your what's your prioritization as far from a business execution perspective? The key the key here is having an ability to prioritize and understand risk. So the idea is where you have the ability to scan the environment and find these things is understand what assets are most important, what applications are most important, right? So the idea is, is you know, you lose a RCE on a web, web portal uh, to a, a security device that doesn't do anything anyway, right? That's off to the side and, and that's one thing. But if it's a situation that this is to our SAP implementation, which is how our business is run, how we pay our bills, invoices and stuff like that, you need to have an idea in your environment what's most important. Uh, and that's kind of critical. Right. And so the, the ability to come out there and see that and then, again, be able to use tools like Simulate or others to say, and this in your environment seems to be most impactful. 
Mm-hmm. You have the concept of what's what what are the assets that are most important for me? And then the ability to say, this is most risky, this is most damaging, we need to do this first. So the idea, I think that's really kind of critical. Yeah, I, I would agree. And and so this is a question uh, that gets asked all the time. And I'm really interested in your thoughts. Okay. So we've we've we're the technician, right? We've got yep. we've got our problems, we got our vulnerabilities. Um, we've, we've, we're reporting and stuff. Yeah. What, what to you, what to you are the, the key, you know, risk indicators, what metrics, like if, cause you can't present to a CFO or the board, you can't present to them this huge, um, you know, donut chart, like, you know, graphical eye candy <laughs> thing, right? Like you really only get a couple minutes and you get a couple key points to make and they have to have impact to, to help your agenda. Yeah. So what are your, you know, what metrics are, do you find have value or how have you used which vulnerability metrics in the past to kind of help your agenda? So number one is, is understanding what's important to them for the business. So if it's a situation where the application, the device, the servers, the what have you are involved in production or something uh, that relates to money, they want to know that you know that this is the so-and-so application, which you know is how we, we generate revenue and do this, this, and this. This is, this is critical, right? Uh, and by not fixing it, we have this, this extended risk for not fixing it, right? And so for them, they're not interested in, in that it's a, a CVSS uh, version 3, 9 plus score. They don't, they don't, they don't care that it's, it's RCE, right? They don't care that, that, uh, you, know, that you come with, with, without elevated rights. They don't need to know all that information. They just need to know that this is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Take care of it now. And here's, here's it's, it's in a critical part of our, our business deployment. And it has this kind of risk. That's what they want to know. Yeah. And so I, I agree hundred percent tying it to the money is good. And, and thinking from the business perspective, that's probably the biggest um, challenge that, you know, technical people have to get, get over uh as they you know go through their career and beginning to have to talk to to the business side of the house right. you know i i would also argue i i have found uh I, it's not really an argument it's it's my thought on this i i have found that if there is a hot news story like log4j you can basically capitalize on it uh because the cfo reads the paper or wall street journal or cnbc may have mentioned it and like you're like oh like I'm also talking about that. We really should focus on that, right? I, I have found, of course, that's a bit of a crapshoot because you're hoping that they they heard it independent of you, and now you're like they're in the know. Uh, so that doesn't always work, but it has had its benefits in the past. Also, it does. And by the way, that does occur. I mean, that that occurs a lot more than it used to. Uh, the other thing that I noticed that is is very helpful is is if you don't have the story of the day, if you know that a competitor appear was affected by something. You say, hey, you remember how our main competitor was taken down for a week? Yeah. That's the same kind of vulnerability I'm talking about here, right? And the key the key is you do get a hall pass for, it may not be the same ransomware gang. It may not be the exact CVE, you know, where they use this one, this is another one. The point is, is, is you, can, you can make comparisons. You can say, listen, you remember how our competitor was taken down three weeks ago? This is this kind of level thing. Again, fear tactics are never your number one thing. Start with the business, 
start with the expense, start with the risk. But there, there is there is a place. There's a place for showmanship. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt is a tool to have in the toolbox. But if you yes. go to it too many times, you Correct. start dealing with a tone deaf Correct. audience. Correct. And that's important too. Is you don't you don't want to be chicken little where you're you're constantly saying the sky's falling and it doesn't fall, right? Yep. Yeah. That's important because when exactly. we're successful, the sky doesn't fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's always that's always been the hard part in our industry. Is like the better you do at your job, the less it looks like you're doing. Yes. Because because nothing's happening. Uh, I see chat. Gregory uh, Jones asked, what's an RCE? Because you kept saying it. Uh, chat did break the acronym down to remote code execution. But if you if you want, um, if you want to explain that, because like just saying the words remote code execution may not actually mean anything uh, to Gregory. So remote code execution is a term you often hear RCE capable. Right. And what it means is uh, an attacker remotely. Uh, can use this exploit based on a vulnerability, make an exploit based on a vulnerability to actually take out, root the box. So come in, become the administrator, the root, and and own own the box. So when they say this vulnerability has RCE capabilities, it means remotely I can sit there and attack one of your things and take over uh, and, and command as root or administrator. Yeah, and and and. Thanks, Dave. That that's a great uh, explanation. And to take it one step further, when we talk about the CVSS score, right, this zero to ten score, it's that score is based on multiple factors. Yes. One of one of them is how close to the box do you have to be in order to execute an exploit on that vulnerability? Meaning anywhere from the internet, anywhere from the local network, anywhere physical access to the machine. Right. So that the closer you get, the lower the risk, because less people have that proximity to the box. Right. So, yeah. So that that's that. Um, the good stuff. Let, let's do the um, let's do the raffle really quickly. Uh, <laughs> people are now dropping in all sorts of RCE uh, quasi acronyms here. Uh, <laughs> people going all share a few of those. <laughs> so let, let's do the, um, the, the, the thing. I didn't say what it was. You guys are so great for entering, not even knowing what it was for. Um, this is for a TCM Academy course of your choosing, uh, compliments of Russell Brinson. So if you want to get that OSINT course or privilege escalation, um, it's yours for the taking. Let's, let's do it. I got to find my, my drum roll sound effect, Dave. <laughs> there it is. Can you hear the drum roll? Not on my side. Oh my God. If you guys can't hear the drum roll, Ron Clark, like I can hear it in my head and I was dealing with AV issues. These guys are going to want me to start doing the, uh, the sounds with my voice. Like I had to do a couple weeks ago. Congratulations, Ron Clark on your win. Uh, connect with me on discord or LinkedIn. Uh, and I will get you, uh, what you have won and we'll do that. And that'll be a good time. Uh, it kills me, Dave. I, I do so much to, to have like all these little sound effects, bells and whistles. And like literally two weeks ago, I had a whole segment with different sound buzzers and it wasn't working. So I had to like, I had like, Caca! like I had to make my own sound effects. <laughs> and these guys, these guys, this Simply Cyber community, they, they, um, they, they took full advantage up. of that experience. They ate it up, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, they did. So, <sighs> Yeah. So I guess, Dave, looking forward, um, I mean, do you like if, if the trend continues the way it is, are, are, are we are we screwed? Like what? Like, like. 
I, I, to be honest with you, I think we're, we'll get to a point where there will be almost like a, a CICD pipeline mm. for handling these kind of things, where, where, where the people will have to have the ability to, to visualize, prioritize, and handle with first and third party security controls. Um, I argue that, that it will lead to software-based segmentation, which to some people view is, is very arduous to have to, to manage it. But it, we're getting to a point that you're going to have to, that, that you're going to have to be able to, to find these, these third and first party controls to, to manage things in, in a better fashion. And, I, and I'd argue, I really do believe we're at a point where if you are the, the uh, VPC administrator, your virtual private cloud administrator for a company, that part of your activities will be uh, owning up and managing everything that, that is in your, your purview. That, that a DevOps sec that will have to have some kind of, of checks for the applications they're pushing out to see if they're vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. we, we do all sorts of playbooks today. I think that's the key, by the way. Automation's the key. That, that You look at CICD pipelines and, and you take Chef, Puppet, Ansible. These are all different you know, playbook languages. And they go out and they, 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 they push out, you know, whole VPC instances, thousands of servers with you know, a few keystrokes. It'd be so easy to check, well, is this version of, of TLS the latest and greatest? No problems. Okay. Apache, Log4j. Is this a version of Apache, latest and greatest? Yes, it is. Boom, we're good to go, right? The next day, it's another patch. Oh, wait a minute. Not going to update it, right? I think that's, that has to become part of what we do is, is that is the ownership has to get wider and there has to be automation and the ability to visualize and progress. Yeah, I think automate, I agree. I think automation really is uh, the future. You know, sometimes the, the questions are, where is machine learning? Where is AI fit into the information security space? Is, are the robots going to take my job? No, but but yeah, but they won't. They're never going to be able to click the checkbox at the beginning when you're registering that right. they're, they're not a robot. Right. But, temperature. They won't be able to find the, the what's it? The, 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 they won't be able to find the trees in the picture. Yeah, which one's a fire hydrant? Yeah. So, fire. Yes. So, so, so I agree that automation is, is important uh, be, because it, it's the only way that we're going to be able to scale Correct. with the inflow of all these vulnerabilities. Uh, another thing that came to my mind. Um, that I think is important worth discussing um, is a, a lot of times you'll get a list of vulnerabilities that are essentially false positives, right? right. So that, that's another thing that we didn't even talk about where, yeah, you have 10,000 vulnerabilities, but are, are they truly really vulnerable systems or is it like it's saying that this version of a TLS is, is, is okay. It will make the handshake and it's a slightly less, uh, secure encrypted connection. Well, if it's internal chatter and it's not sensitive systems, like who cares if it's eavesdropped on, right? Like, and chances are no one's going to get there and exploit that vulnerability to eavesdrop on a communication that has no value. So like, is it really a vulnerability? So understanding where true positives actually are. And th this is, you know, I want to like point out because I have been using your product, the Simulate product. Yeah. One of the one of the cool things, and guys, if you want, I, I've been thinking about maybe doing a video on like my my experience using this this tool. But one one of the cool things is, like, if you run a vulnerability scanner and you say like your machine is vulnerable to this, go patch it or go do something to it. But at the end of the day, what we really care about is, is this a problem? Like, it, it, are my controls going to fix this or catch this, detect it? whatever. 
And, and that's one of the cool things that I've been using the tool with is that you can pick like log4j or like whatever the newest thing is. Um, like there was like the Redline info stealer the other day. Like yep. you can run that on an endpoint, like a, a test endpoint that simulates what your environment would be. And it'll literally tell you that like your EDR solution stopped it. Like, you know, let, let's say that first it launches, then it creates a new process. And then that process uh, does process hollowing and injects itself into another, like a running service or something. Maybe your EDR doesn't catch the, the, the first two steps, but it stops the third step. Awesome. So then in reality, you can say like, I don't care. The vulnerability scanner says that we're vulnerable to it. I'm telling you, if it runs right. on our box, it it's going to get stopped. So let's not focus on fixing this. Yes, it's important, but our protection, like our controls are fine. Let's focus where it, where they're not fine, which, which it will also tell you. Uh, right. right. So I guess not, not to pump your product, uh, Dave, but like, it, it's one of the cool things that I've seen is instead of speaking theoretically about whether or not it could be exploited, uh, you, you could actually do it and see if it would be exploited. And, and that's Absolutely. why we have defense in depth. Absolutely. And that's the key. If you talk about gaining that prioritization, there's no better way than running attacks in an environment safely and seeing what security controls stop and what don't stop. Right. And so that's that's the key. That's that's And by the way, by doing it on a daily basis, you, you get you get that mindset. And, and often what people do is when they look at that new the new vulnerabilities that are out. They look at them and then they go see if, if they ran attacks with our solution. Mm -hmm. What was the success or not the success? Right. And that's the key. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and like now I'm like, gosh, Dave, like I'm just starting to get all frothed up thinking about my own environment now and uh, feeling like a soapbox moment here. But like, you know, another thing is like when, if you don't know what technology, like the shadow, you, you know, you've been calling it phantom. Like if, if, if you don't know the technology's there, like you don't even know you're vulnerable, right? Yep. And if you've programmed your scanners to scan certain network ranges and skip others because it's, you know, medical devices and you can't scan them because they're sensitive and they're attached to patients and you can't knock it over or whatever. And someone puts something on that network, your, your vulnerability scanner is not even going to see it. And it, it's just, I don't know, it, it's, 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 it's frustrating and exhausting sometimes to like hold the tent up with your arms and, you know, just, <laughs> you know, like it's dipping on your head and stuff like that. So, um, you know, even, even if you wanted to patch all the things, sometimes you don't even know like where to where, where things are that need patching. Correct. But, but again, the, the idea and, and not to uh, pump my product too hard, but the idea yeah. is that we have attack surface management. So part of, uh, of going out there and attacking the environment also includes discovery. Yeah. Right. And, and so whether you use my solution for that or another one, you should have a, an asset discovery, an application discovery mechanism in your environment that looks out there and finds the phantom IT, right? Yeah. Uh, including the fact that, you know, people have the Eureka that they realize, oh my God, we have so many elevators in our, in our enterprise that we have 10,000 elevator controls that are IP enabled in, in our, our, our data center VLAN, right? I've had, I've had that conversation, right? You yeah. know, like, right, we have what, 600 devices out there, servers? No, 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 you have, you have 10,000 plus. Oh, that's also the controls. Oh my yeah. God, the controls are in the, in the data center, right? Uh, all that kind of stuff that happens all the time. But in some ways today, you better take the red pill versus the blue pill. You better know, you better raise that tent up and, and take a look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even, yeah. If, even if you need a stiff drink afterwards, even if you need a stiff, stiff drink afterwards, 
you need to you need to take the red pill and, and take a look. Yeah, the first step is admitting or acknowledging that there's a problem, or yeah. you know, instead of sticking your hand, uh, your head in the sand. I, I definitely feel that. Uh, so, Dave, let me let me give you um, chat. Chat's been great today, you guys, uh, with with the drum roll and then the captures and stuff like that. Um, let me give you a moment here to uh, have your final thoughts. And uh, we'll, we'll listen to that and then I'll bring you on and then I'll share with everybody what they can expect for next week. So Dave, the floor is yours. Excellent. Well, as we were, as we were talking all along, the, the key here today is you need to take advantage of everything you can to take care of these vulnerabilities. You need to bring in all the different players and make them part of it. We talked about language, right? What a business person wants to hear, uh, which is critical. We talked about ways to better use first and third party security controls to lock things down. Uh, and things like that and understanding them. We talked about, you know, uh, what we do, you know, extended security posture management and being able to do offensive cybersecurity and do it from a perspective while it's an exploit, see what vulnerabilities are behind it so that when you come to a decision based on, is this going to affect my environment? You actually know, uh, which is kind of critical. And so uh, all that is, 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 uh, is really important. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave, for Thank joining you. us and, and talking about threat and vulnerability management today with Simply Cyber. Jerry, love to. This has been great. I oh, appreciate it. All right, guys. So before you go, I want to share with you what we are doing uh, next week or what you, know, what you can expect. Real quick, if you haven't dug in yet, and I know some of you have, right? I see you in their base and BSEC every morning, uh, Michelle, Gregory, uh, Wayne Shaw, Carrie, you guys are always in there, but if you don't know about it, every single morning at 8 a.m., we're doing the cybersecurity threat briefing. People seem to like it. People seem to like it. I typically uh, get spicy and flip out a little bit depending on the, the news of the day, but it provides context commentary. We have coffee. It's a good time. Check it out if you're interested in adding this to your routine. Like I said, it seems to be good. Next week for Simply Cyber Live, the Thursday stream, you guys might recognize Ricky Tan. He is the YouTube content creator for Cyberspatial. Dude's got like millions of views on some of his videos. He's the, he makes awesome videos. He tells great stories. Like that's that's probably like the biggest takeaway about his videos. Like his storytelling is on fire. So he's going to be coming on and we're going to be talking about cyber cartography. Now, listen to me. If you're saying to yourself, what is cyber cartography? I literally asked that question myself. I have a PhD in cyber operations. I've worked in the field for like a million years. And he told me that he was a cyber cartographer in the military. And I'm like, oh, uh, what? What is that? That's a role? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a whole thing. I was like, all right, you've got to come on. We've got to talk about this and expand the scope of potential roles that people in the industry can have. Plus, I want to know more about cyber cartography. So hopefully you guys can join us uh, next Thursday um, if you can't make it uh, to the morning sessions. All right, guys. It's been really good. You've been a wonderful audience. I sincerely appreciate all of you and all that you do for the community. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay secure.